0: talk about a dilemma a dilemma is two horns and these two horns the the politician sees the the beast with the two horns coming and then he handles the one horn and 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 hopes that he's not going to be hit by the other horn yeah and once he handled the the one horn he turns to the other without knowing that the first horn has already grown again that's what you call a dilemma and this is a very good very useful uh, concept and and it So it describes the reality of uh, policymakers much better than this intellectual sort of total distortion of there being intelligent people who have a view of of everything. And they can explain uh, to the policymakers what they have to do and then they do it.
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to Alpha Bunga Bunga, the global politics podcast, at the end of the end of history. My name is Alex Hochuli. It's Wednesday, the 29th of September. I'm joined as usual by Philip Cunliffe. Hello, Philip. Hi. And by George and by George Hoare. Hi, George. Hey. Looking forward to this. Yeah, me too, because we will very shortly have on the line Wolfgang Strick, who, if you don't know, he's a leading German public intellectual, sociologist, and emeritus director of the Max Planck Institute for the Study of Societies in Cologne. And this is a special episode, I guess an out-of-series episode, because we are looking at what's just happened in the German elections last weekend. Um, And this is a bit of a follow-up as well from the preview we did last week. But um, I guess before we call up Uh, Wolfgang Strache, just to set up what uh, what has actually happened and uh, I guess how to understand this election. So this was the first election in which uh, Angela Merkel uh, was not going to run again, and she had been in power since 2005. Uh, Her CDU party uh, running under a different leader lost effectively. Um, but the Social Democrats, the SPD, didn't seem to exactly win. They came out first. But what has actually happened in the new landscape of German politics uh, is an incredibly fragmented one. Instead of the effective duopoly of the big central right and center left party, you have a much more fragmented field in which the Greens scored well. Uh, you also have the uh, liberal or neoliberal Free Democrats there. You have the Uh, populist right, AFD, and, uh, well, in last place, Dilinka, who did very badly. But overall, this was an election fought on the basis of the promise of continuity. And there was something kind of retro 90s, 2000s about this election, at least as far as I could tell, in that it was fought over a very narrow center ground, trying to eke out little advantages for one party or the other, each of them promising competence, And not just competence as a party, but competence as uh, an individual leader, the person who wanted to be chancellor. And and so with that in mind, we have to ask ourselves, of course, has Germany genuinely been unshaken by the sort of populist upsurges that we've seen elsewhere in Europe? And what does it mean, in fact, for Europe? Because uh, as our guest, Wolfgang Streich has recently written, that a lot of what has kept Europe together over the past decade and a half of crises has been Merkel's virtuoso performance as a Ponzi artist of political desire, an issuer of fiat trust, if not fiat money, mistress of postponed debt settlement, and unmatched champion of the discipline of political impulsion, which is a great turn of phrase.
2: Yeah, he's talking, I mean, the centrality of Merkel, not only to German politics, but also to the European Union, and especially the Eurozone in the era of crisis through which it's gone since uh, 2008 and through the sovereign debt crisis of um, 2015, 16 and so on, um, she's central to it. So she is this, you know, she's a very peculiar political figure, um, so dominant in in, um, in so many ways and at the same time so ambiguous so um, and with such little kind of uh, ideological definition. Um, and that quote that you just read out captures it very well.
1: Yeah, and it's it's worth saying. Last time we spoke to to, to Wolfgang, he we talked a little bit about his um, his book Critical Encounters and some of the analyses there already. Uh, particularly, I guess, of, of Merkel's skill as this kind of master bourgeois politician. You know, very like a very astute reading of, of German politics, and particularly, I guess, the relationship between obviously Germany and the EU, Germany and, and France, and all the power politics which they engage in. I think you know a great person to talk to about the the implications of this um, election on, on the EU and the rest of Europe and, and wider as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it seems that to a large extent, the art of politics in Germany has been a matter of kind of treading water. Um, but we're going to also try to look at what is emerging that might be new. We're going to talk a little bit about culture wars, whether US style culture wars are emerging in Germany. And then uh, later on, uh, at towards the end of the episode and in the bonus content, which will be over on Patreon.com slash the big question about the end of neoliberalism. In fact, you know, phrased as a question, is neoliberalism ending? Uh, we're going to ask Wolfgang what he thinks about that. And even beyond that, whether capitalism itself has any more road to run. Um, I'm just going to read out another great quote from Wolfgang Street, which is from a recent piece of his in the Sidecar blog of the New Left Review. Um, these are all in the show notes if you want to check those out. The collective costs of running capitalism may by now have once and for all exceeded what societies can extract from capitalism to cover them, to pay for social peace, the formation of patient workers and satisfied consumers, the preparation for and cleaning up after surplus producing production, the extension and defense of markets and property rights in distant countries, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So that's a big question. Have the collective costs of running capitalism exceeded what societies can extract from capitalism? So Anyway, uh, very excited to discuss this with Wolfgang, and uh, we're going to call him up right now. All right, so this is uh, myself, Alex, Phil, and George, and we're delighted to be joined once again by Wolfgang Strake. Hello, Wolfgang, how are you?
0: I'm fine. Thank you for inviting me. The last time it was great fun, and I, I look forward to it being the same today.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And we're delighted that you were able to join us to talk about, uh, well, about the German election that happened at the end uh, last weekend. Um, Unfortunately, maybe it's not such an epochal election in the way that maybe some might have expected. So, I mean, I guess just to start off, uh, did did Schultz, uh, the leader of the SPD, win as a sort of Merkel too, as the continuity candidate, as uh, most of the reporting, I think, has it? Is that uh, your understanding of events as well?
0: Yeah, if if we talk about the surface of of all this and and um, um, I think in today's politics, you have to uh, clearly distinguish between what the uh, media and the um, uh, public relations agencies are performing uh, on the surface of the political system and what is underlying all of this. Uh, in, in, the, in the German case, or oh, in the case of, of this election, um, three months ago. Uh, everybody thought that the SPD putting up um, a, a candidate for chancellor was an act of despair and, uh, and, and, and lunacy. Uh, it was completely impossible that, that they could possibly win. And the assumption was that somehow the Christian Democrats, uh, whatever they did uh, on the strength of, uh, of, of Merkel, uh, would win with whoever candidate they would put up. So uh, then the strange things, <laughs> strange things happened. Uh, as I said, in, on, the, on, the, on the surface, um, the, 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 the Christian Democrats put up a, a sort of dismally bad uh, candidate. The, the, the Greens put up um, a woman of 42 years uh, of age, who has never been in any government position and who, who nobody outside the party actually knew. Um, and then, of course, there was there was this guy Scholz, who uh, who was nominated by the left wing um, uh, party presidents, although he is uh, was was generally seen as the most right wing uh, uh, social democratic politician. Mm. If not on Earth, then then really in <laughs> uh, in, in, in Germany. Uh, now, then you can co- tell a complex story how uh, this thing evolved to a point uh, where suddenly Scholz came out uh, ahead of the Christian Democratic uh, candidate and the Greens, uh, who had initially, when when everybody was was uh, keen to get to know this uh, candidate. Uh, was around thirty percent in the polls, and then ended up with seventeen or whatever they ended up with uh, within a matter of three of, of, of three uh, months and and, and this should, should, should show us how volatile uh, uh, politics has become mm. uh, and how little it says about the uh, underlying political forces um let, let me maybe maybe point to two things more on the margin uh, that that might have been decisive in, in a number of ways. First of all, the AFD, the uh, the right-wing uh, party, uh, is kept, uh, kept its position around uh, 10 percent. Uh, even though the refugee crisis uh, was is now five years back, and this was the birth birth uh, hour right. of this party, Th- these ten percent, uh, you could say six to eight of them might have voted for the Christian Democrats uh, uh, if if that party hadn't existed and the Christian Democrats hadn't uh, had the kind of policy that they had. Um, so they now became the strongest party in, in East Germany, which was something that was slowly developing over the last years. Um, the the the, the, Linkspartei, the left party was almost halved, from nine point two to uh,
1: four point nine, mm.
0: and 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 it was really the disaster of this party that uh, shapes the, the outcome uh, of this of this election. Uh, many of the uh, left party voters went uh, over to the Social Democratic Party, uh, th- thereby uh, possibly causing uh, the, the Social Democrats to have more votes than the Christian Democrats, uh, who, who lost, as I said, to the to the FDP. And and uh, uh, moreover, moreover, much worse, the. The, the the left party lost its strongholds in east Germany almost everywhere and the new regional east German party now is clearly the ifD and the, and the left party no longer yeah um, so so then let me let me say one final thing just to uh, d- just to tell you how how dismal the situation of this party is um. If if you look at uh, young people, uh, first-time voters, among them, the two parties that scored highest in the 20%, 22%, 23% are the Liberal Free Democrats uh, and the Greens. And the two parties that scored lowest among this group uh, are the AfD uh, at 8% and the uh, L- Linkspartei party at nine uh, percent. Uh, if if you look at the voter profile of the Linkspartei, party, you you see something bizarre, which is which is that with people without uh, uh, more than a, a basic uh, a school education, they drew two percent of the vote. Uh, with uh, sort of intermediate degrees uh, between three and four percent and with people with university degrees six percent and and that is supposed to be the party uh, of the losers in the uh, German uh, capitalist uh, modernization process. So so absolutely that, and, and now <laughs> I'll stop in a second but but I, I just want to say that that the disappearance of this party, Sort of uh, was the crucial, the pivotal event uh, to simplify the politics of this new uh, parliament, because with the uh, Links Party basically disappearing, uh, there was no possibility anymore for the Social Democrats and the Greens to form a government together with the Links Party, which neither the yeah. Greens would have wanted nor nor should. But inside these parties, there might have been pressure to, 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 to set up a link, a, a left uh, a government. Impossible now, which reduces the thing to two possible uh, coalitions, both of which include the Free Democrats and the, uh, uh, and, and the Greens. And the question is whether the party of the chancellor will be the Christian Democrats or the Social Democrats. That's the game that is now being played now.
1: Yeah, I mean, this fragmentation uh, is, is is pretty remarkable, but also the fact of how personalized the election seemed to be as well, you know, appeals based on the personal qualities of the leader. And it seemed to be that something that uh, Schultz was even aware of, I think he said before the election that only minor changes, only minor changes in voter behavior can Create completely new constellations, um, yeah. so it, it seemed to be you know an awareness at least that uh, that they wouldn't need to make necessarily a, a very broad appeal or win over new voters that only minor shifts were possible. And in all this, it sort of reminded me a little bit of, of Britain in the two thousands in the way that it was so based on personal appeals and, and appeals based on. Uh, well, on on competence, basically.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's a general thing. Uh, think of the of the book by Chris uh, Bickerton and and uh, in the Nizzi, uh, on on techno techno populism, and 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 that's that's a, the trend that you observe in in a number of countries. Exactly what you just what you just described. Uh, now, one has to say that uh, neither the Christian Democrats nor the Social Democrats ever aspired. To win something anywhere close to a majority. Uh, so the best for the for the Social Democrats would have been 25% after they scored at 18 or 17 three months ago. Uh, the, 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 for the Christian Democrats, it was different. They, they had hoped to, to, to end up at around 30, but again, nothing near, nothing anywhere near. Mm. Uh, to a sort of overwhelming uh, personal uh, uh, victory for the for the uh, candidate. Yeah, fragmentation is a word for this. but then you also see that that the left uh, on the left side, uh, the capacity to fragment, so to speak, has almost completely disappeared and, and uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the links party is in the worst crisis uh, it ever was in and it might basically break apart uh, as a result of this and then become a political non-entity. In, in that sense, it is very important to understand that if Scholz becomes chancellor, this is not a move uh, of the political system of Germany to the left. Uh, he will have to govern uh, with the Greens, who increasingly turn out to be uh, sort of the what I once called the vegetarian division of the conservatives. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, yeah, very good. And,
0: and uh, <laughs> and uh, not only with them, but also with the Free Democrat, who who have already claimed uh, the uh, office of uh, the finance minister. And if you look at uh, uh, Schultz, I mean, I mean Scholz uh, was the finance minister, or still is, uh, and and in Germany we have a five-year budgetary planning. If if you look at the five-year planning of the uh, of the um, uh, federal budget, uh, then uh, the, the Free Democrats, the Christian Democrats, the, so everybody could uh, could 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 sign this. Yeah, it's it's like mm. uh, it, it follows the the the, the debt break, uh, which is uh, in the German constitution, and the chancellor Scholz Will certainly hold any finance minister that he'll have in the cabinet uh, to stick to uh, the uh, uh, five-year planning that he had uh, uh, had responsibility for. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, just to just to give you an, an, an a sense of of the order of magnitude in the three years um, in the last three years. Uh, no, no, the three years beginning two years ago and including the planning for the next year. Germany has taken up uh, additional debt uh, to the tune of, uh, I I think, 40% of the whole debt of the European Union, Uh, the the 75 billion uh, recovery plan that, that they passed last year. It's an enormous sum and and under the budget budgetary planning uh, the uh, expenditures of the federal government will have to be cut by 40% within the next 2 years which is completely utterly impossible uh, g- given for example the need to uh, repair the damages of uh, of uh, cl- climate change and and so many other things and, yeah. and the, so, so I just, just want to tell you, um, uh, the, these constraints exist for any government that might uh, c- come in, regardless whether Laschet or Scholz is the uh, uh,
1: chancellor. So I, I want to come on to the wider impact of these fiscal constraints um, it, just in a bit. But actually, just briefly, I did want to ask you a little bit further about uh, about the problems of Dilinka, because uh, this fragmentation even within it or as you said that it might split in two is that along the lines of basically a a, a division between the sort of uh, vision of it being a party of movements of of the act party of activists and then the party uh, representing the old working class especially in the east I mean is that more or less the division that you were referring to
0: yeah it's hard it's really very hard to say um, Sarah Wanknecht, who, who may be known more or less uh, uh, mm-hmm. also outside uh, outside Germany, uh, he tried, she tried to get the party uh, to become the voice of those who are uh, the losers in the uh, uh, capitalist uh, uh, modernization process that that is has been going on in Germany for some time now. Uh, not just old people, but but also basically also in the east. But but that but she was sort of pushed into the corner, and and the bill that the party has to pay is that uh, it's older voters in the east, uh, also the younger ones, sort of uh, moved uh, away from the party and very often landed in the corner of the AfD. Mm. Yeah. Uh, sort of protest against uh, uh, capitalist rationalization of all sorts, or modernization, you can, you can also say cultural modernization, yeah. where, where people feel left out and and, and and where they have the feeling that they're being despised by the, by the elite, especially Angela Merkel was a person who was sort of seen like that in, 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 in East uh, Germany. Uh, she's she coming from from East Germany uh, her, herself and then having moved over to the to the other side, so to speak. Uh, no, this this is uh, serious and and uh, I think they will not be able to recover what what used to be their original base. Then they will be dependent uh, on the uh, uh, university uh, uh, population in basically in West Germany. And there I would say, the Greens uh, are far, far ahead of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: because the Greens match uh, a sort of uh, a worldview that is different from a worldview that reminds you of a socialist uh, idea of a society. They are individualistic, they are sort of morally moved, they are against uh, strict uh, organizations. Uh, the, 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 all this sort of libertarian uh, a culture that that is characteristic of this of this. This is why I think among first year voters, uh, the the the, the uh, links doesn't cut any uh, anything. Yeah, the, the very very few people uh, 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 vote for them. And at the and for them for the for the young, the links and the. Uh, and the IFD do not look uh, completely different. They they, mm. have a, they they try to have a sort of obligatory worldview. Um, they are collectivistic, uh, whereas young green voters and also FDP voters. So emphasize personal liberty and all of these things. One uh, effect of the of the COVID um, policies of the government might well have been that, it, that they drove some of this group uh, into the arms of the Free Democrats. Uh, th- you would not have uh, found these people with the Linkspartei, which emphasized solidarity and the obligation to get inoculated it, uh, as an act of solidarity with the rest of the people, you understand this. This and, is a, and
1: and so just to clarify, the FDP were more skeptical of, of kind of activism on COVID. Yeah, is yeah, that yeah, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. They, they, absolutely. They, they, they not not openly, but they had one leading figure uh, who who kept saying that that all of these uh, that first of all the, the prominent jurist. Who uh, insisted that uh, every of these, each and every one of, of these measures had to be measured against the constitution and and the, 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 the rights of personal liberty, and the Free Democrats are historically uh, a sort of civil rights party, if you want, yeah, and they use this uh, uh, to uh, not not to not to oppose inoculation, but to emphasize. Uh, that people who do not get vaccinated should not be uh, overly repressively uh, mm-hmm. treated, yeah, and and that sort of pulled enough, uh, I think, uh, people from uh, certain groups uh, to 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 actually. This was a party that four years ago everybody thought would sort of wither away. Yeah, now mm-hmm. now the links party is withering away.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to. Pick up on something you said before where you you said there's the need to distinguish between the ways in which um, the kind of uh, the polling companies and also the media treat the question of the election and then the underlying shifts. Um, So how would you how would you draw that distinction, I suppose you've mentioned the you've mentioned voter fragmentation of one as one of those underlying shifts that isn't captured in the discussion. Are there others as well? Um, i suppose i want to move i'd like i want to kind of start thinking about some of the big picture um kind of changes i suppose of which the uh, how and how they're expressed through through this more fluid politics
0: yeah um what, what i had in mind was you you could say even an, a layer more below than that uh, underneath that where, uh, where where you find the structural constants, uh, and and uh, it is these structural constants that you do not need to talk about, mm. but as a political party, uh, you are om- almost forced uh, to treat them as given. Yeah, because if you do not uh, do so, uh, then you uh, sort of end up in the corner of the lunatics, so to speak, and. And, and I, I want to maybe mention two or three of them. Uh, one is the fact that um, uh, Germany, and this is something that you need to understand if you want to understand German politics. The fact that Germany is the, the wealth pole yeah. uh, of the European Monetary Union. Yeah. And, and there is an underlying, uh, an underlying, uh, yeah, how do you say, a self-evident fact that German uh, politics has to be uh, directed, or German policy has to be directed, uh, at uh, keeping uh, monetary union uh, intact. Yep. Yeah? That, that uh, comes with a bias in the direction of the strength of the German economy, uh, which is um, so the manuf- uh, manufacturing sector export-oriented, which needs a stable currency and a favorable exchange rate. As long as you have monetary union with countries like Italy, uh, Spain, or whoever, uh, you will have a a very low external exchange rate. If if we had to have our national uh, national currency, that uh, compared to the Euro, would maybe be 20 or 25 percent uh, 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 up uh, uh, valued upwards. Yeah. Yeah. So so then, um, uh, anything that comes up in terms of of Brussels uh, European solidarity and so on, uh, especially also where trade unions are in your organisation, like in the left uh, in, in the left party to some extent still. Uh, you have to observe the. Political imperatives uh, of what you can say the the, the ruling social bloc in Germany, which includes industry and and export-oriented trade unions. Yeah, that's yeah. that's one thing. Then another thing that uh, you Philip might be uh, particularly interested in is is the uh, uh, foreign policy, uh, the security policy situation of of, uh, of Germany, uh, located between. Uh, uh three uh, nuclear powers, uh, uh, Britain, France and, and Russia, with a fourth nuclear power, uh, the United States, uh, yeah. having uh, 40,000 troops on German soil and an unknown number of nuclear warheads uh, with an unknown number of uh, uh, carrying systems. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so then you have a situation, Uh, where Germany can have no nuclear arms at all uh, under the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty that Germany had to sign in the early 1960s as a condition of regaining some of its national sovereignty. So um, when uh, when the United States put pressure on Russia, the Russians have no other uh, recourse than to improve, to to modernize their their nuclear arms which sort of scares the shit out of the Germans, who, who, who therefore, who cannot rely on the French to, to counter this, because yeah. the French nuclear arms are only for French purposes, which, yeah. which the French keep, keep repeating. So they depend on the Americans. So then one thing that Scholz did during the campaign, uh, uh, when he tried to scare off uh, the, um, the, 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 the Links Partei, was that he told them, that he could um, uh, include them in a government only if they uh, uh, declared their uh, allegiance uh, to NATO, yep. uh, and of, of course this is something that the left, links but I cannot do mm. uh, be, because of its of its membership. I think the 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 leading apart the leaders apart from. From Sarah Weinknecht would have been willing to uh, confess to almost anything in in, in order to to be included, but Sarah couldn't do this and and, and, and other people.
2: So how do you see, um, given the structural constraint like you say, of um, German domination of the eurozone um, and Germany's dependence on the eurozone for its economic success, how do you see that connecting with the fragmentation of the political system. Do you think that fragmentation and the coalition building that's going to follow is it going to make it more difficult for Germany to steer the Eurozone over the next few years?
0: I don't think so. No. Uh, I, the, the, I I know this is a speculation that, that many people engage in, and it is an attractive speculation. But all of these parties that are now going to form uh, the, the government will be acutely aware. Uh, that they have to do, in the words of Mario Dali, whatever it takes in yeah. order to keep the Eurozone alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now what that now now there will be a difference in style. And, and the difference in style is what is what this fragmentation is all about. Uh, a a Scholz government will sort of go, go to Brussels and celebrate themselves for their solidaristic attitudes about Europe and, mm-hmm. and they and the, whereas the um, uh, Laschet government will do uh, basically the same because Laschet is from Aachen. If you know Germany, Aachen is sort of the westernmost big big city, uh, very Francophile uh, and, and, and so on. Uh, so, but uh, both of them, apart from what they do on the surface, uh, will negotiate very hard. The yeah. same way they used to, Merkel used to do without, without most people noticing, yeah. to bring down the price of maintaining uh, uh, the monetary union uh, to, to the lowest possible level.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah? You, 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 you can say they will do whatever it takes, yeah. but they are certainly keen not to do more than yeah. it takes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and if I if I may add this, the in a sort of quasi-imperial relationship as we're observing here, uh, it is um, uh, the, the important point uh, for uh, eurozone cohesion uh, is not so much to uh, to heal the economic uh, uh, problems of countries like Italy or or Spain. The important point is to give enough incentives to the political classes, to the political elites of these countries to hang on to, to Brussels. And this is different. Yeah. Uh, th- these are two different things. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and uh, for, for uh, Germany, the uh, 20 years of stagnation of, of the Italian economy with an enormous decline of, on all sorts of fronts is not uh, so important as was uh, Salvini rising, perhaps rising to power on a program of leaving the eurozone then all the alarm bills went on yeah and all sorts of things were so <laughs> discussed what the hell can we do so so that this guy doesn't doesn't come to power and and the same thing uh, is true with respect to france
2: yeah so on on that actually i would be interested to hear about um uh, I suppose, more about the German-French connection. But in particular, um, you mentioned the geo kind of Germany's geopolitical status. I was wondering how you see that playing out in light of France's humiliation with the um, the so-called AUKUS pact, so Britain has um, is selling its nuclear submarines to Australia as part of this pact um, in Asia, and it squeezed France out of a submarine deal, yeah. and Macron in response to that has made this big push for strategic autonomy. How do you think that's going to play out with whatever shape the new German government takes? How's it going to play out in Germany? Yeah, there,
0: there's nothing new about this. The, the mm. important thing is that um, uh, from a German perspective. I think for 20, 30 years, the game was always the same, namely uh, to, to, to remain on good terms uh, with both France and the United States, and thereby play all sorts of sometimes extre- <laughs> extremely uh, devious schemes uh, to, to fool especially the, the French uh, about the extent to which the Germans uh, are, are willing to, to play on their side. Yeah. Uh, in if Germany wants to be the hegemonic power of the Euro, of, of, of the European Union, then it cannot do this on its own. It has to do this behind the French as a sort of cover for, for that, Because for historical reasons, uh, uh, the Eurozone can be governed, if it is governed by Germany, it must be governed by Germany in connection with France. So they need to buy in the French um, uh, as a... Uh, the, 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 in Germany, it's called the the, the, the French the French German tandem, yeah? where where the, the French sit in front and the Germans sort of work hard in the back, yes. and, and and sometimes tell the the front rider to go left or or, or to go right. So uh, no, the the, uh, the this is not new at all, and and what will happen is that uh, see next year in April. Uh, Macron will have to be re-elected. Yeah, Uh, and uh, the Germans will do anything they can do uh, in order to help him uh, uh, win this this election. For for this purpose, what would
2: would that mean, kind of concretely, then?
0: uh, Symbolic um, symbolic acts. For for example, set up um, a joint um, military unit to fight the terrorists Mm. in Mali. Or or something so that Macron can say we now have a a, a joined uh, how how do you say it? a joined uh, strategic uh, uh, de- orientation. Yeah. Uh, Macron speaks of the of the uh, sovereignty of Europe,
2: yeah,
0: meaning an extended sovereignty of France. Yeah. Uh, uh, now during the election campaign, Scholz who who uh, who, who really w- wants to uh, uh, not uh, let. Uh, this sort of strange relationship become a, a, a subject of public debate. Uh, Scholz used to used to talk about uh, a, a sovereign Europe, not European sovereign, but a so, <laughs> he wants a sovereign Europe. Nobody knows what that is. Yeah, yeah no, nobody nobody knows what that is. But uh, but the French are pleased to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I may add one more observation, which which comes up today. Sure is that uh, on the the traditional conservative side, uh, Macron is not a traditional conservative, as we we all know. He's something technocratic in in between. But but, uh, on the traditional conservative side, now this guy, Michel Barnier, uh, who was the negotiator on on behalf of the European Union uh, with with Britain, he seems to be getting ready to run uh, against Macron on a platform of deep reform uh, of the European Union, uh, emphasizing that uh, it must be, uh, it can no longer be accepted uh, that Germany, sort of pretending uh, to work with others, actually uh, runs the Eurozone or the European Union. I fully, I'm fully in agreement with this. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> because because I don't want the Germans to take the blame for for uh, the, the demise of a, of a structure that uh, is unsustainable. Yeah. yeah so so now the, now you find some sort of uh, hard bargaining position plus the willingness uh, to insist on uh, uh, meaningful changes, even in the uh, on the part of the French, Sort of a political class, and Barnier is 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 really a, a very very well connected uh, figure in in in, in France. The, so here here is perhaps uh, something uh, brewing that might be an equivalent to the Brexit.
2: So qualif- so qualified support for Michel Barnier
0: on on my part i think what i've read about what 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 he said he for example said we have not learned the lesson from brexit yeah. and, and and he was close uh, very <laughs> very close to observing it and yeah. and what he meant was if i understood that right that um, we have to understand that brussels cannot govern other countries that european countries can sort of cooperate but, uh, uh, but they cannot govern each other. Uh, and then in the next sentence, he's, he said, Germany has been trying to govern France. And, and we should uh, end this situation. I, I, think, I think that's a perfectly, <laughs> perfectly uh, acceptable analysis, a little bit overstated. Mm-hmm. Yeah?
1: So I I, I wanted to talk maybe a little bit more about this in a a second. But before that, I want to take the opportunity to to double back and talk about um, maybe cultural divisions in Germany in light of the election, because uh, one thing that this election has brought up, obviously, is the seeming end of the big catch-all Volkspartei um, and a shift to voting patterns based more on, well, maybe more on milieus and on lifestyle um these uh the parties are oriented toward maybe the greens being uh, <laughs> vegetarian conservatives, as you've called them, or you know any in any place we can all imagine or conjure up images of our of the stereotypes of each party voter um without much difficulty, even if you're not familiar with Germany. wherever you're listening, uh, you know listeners will be able to conjure up their own images of these little you know marketing boxes basically into yeah, which we're put yeah, yeah, yeah. um I, is that the is that that's been the case basically? I mean, you agree with with my description there of Germany. Yeah,
0: it, It is, the way you describe it, um, it is not just limited to to Germany. The the big parties are uh, breaking up, uh, either internally, so that they cannot uh, formulate um, a coherent policy anymore, or uh, uh, their electorates uh, uh, fragment. And the reason for this, if I may say that, uh, is, is uh, obviously this. I, I mean, the post-war uh, Western, democratic, uh, Western democracy consisted of, of basically two center parties, one to the left and one to the right. Each of them was a coalition of different groups, uh, uh, but that coalition could be kept together by the leadership. If you look at the conservatives, then I, I would say there were three sort of strands inside uh, the uh, sort of type, typified uh, uh, ideal, typical uh, conservative uh, People's Party. The, this was, on the one hand, uh, sort of endorsement uh, of private capitalism. Uh, secondly, however, um, also endorsement of a sort of quasi-Catholic, uh, patriarchal view of family life yeah and thirdly uh, anti communism mm. and and these three things sort of could be kept together for a while and you could form a majority on on, on this basis but if you get, get to the ni- 1990s with the with the uh, it, uh, amazingly uh, first of all the, the disappearance of communism as a glue for for these parties uh, secondly the amazingly rapid uh, uh, capitalist rationalization of these societies, leading to the breakup of the patriarchal family, uh, women going into the labor market, uh, the sort of totally sort of li- li- liberal uh, uh, social structure, and uh, uh, capitalism accelerating its, uh, uh, its development in such a way that you couldn't conceive of it anymore as a national uh, sort of wealth-creating engine. It, it was something else in the, in the uh, uh, hyper-globalization world that, that, that Danny Rodrik has, 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 has described. So then these parties began to disintegrate. And the, the moment in Germany was when Helmut Kohl lost to Gerhard Schröder, of all people, who had run this campaign listen then, and this is sort of very indicative of this, it, it is not um, important to distinguish between a social democratic and a conservative economic policy. Uh, the important difference is between good economic policy and bad economic policy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so so there, there we are in, in this world. And then comes, comes Angela Merkel. And uh, so in a very interesting way, delays the decomposition uh, of the German Christian Democratic Party uh, the, because and for some time she still remained at forty percent when the when the, uh, uh, the Democristiana in, in Italy had already disappeared and and the uh, uh, Christian Democrats in uh, in the Netherlands were <laughs> dis- disappearing also. What what she did was she had no relationship. Uh, to any of the previous cliques and, and sections and traditions that formed the social uh, the, the, the Christian Democratic Party, obligated to no one, coming like out of the blue, uh, 35 years old, uh, have, having spent her 35 years in the Christian in in, in the in the German Democratic Republic, uh, coming out and changing the style of politics from. Uh, Uh, ideology and ideological ambitions, like we want this kind of society uh, with uh, decent families, uh, heterosexual sex regimes, and all of these things. She didn't give a damn about all of it. She uh, had two sort of uh, uh, visions from the beginning. Uh, Put together uh, a credible electoral uh, base while at the same time proving your ability to deal one by one with any arising problems that might uh, occur, uh, not uh, on the basis of principles, but on the basis of expediency, and then show to the rest of the world that you can handle everything. Yeah. Uh, so, so this, uh, uh, for example, uh, her, her first government was a grand coalition. I remember very well uh, the uh, uh, the the electoral the the, the, the campaign uh, when she almost lost to Schroeder, but but uh, in the end won. And that campaign was run on a Margaret Thatcher uh, neoliberal hardcore neoliberal uh, platform, uh, like for example. Uh, basically effectively ending free collective bargaining, effectively ending worker participation on on government uh, boards, and so on. Uh, When when she noticed that that this brought her sort of close to electoral defeat, she completely, in a matter of a few weeks, sort of uh, changed tech, 180 degrees, and and began to social democratize, as they say, uh, her, her party. With the help mm. of the social democrats who who didn't understand that that the extent to which she social democratized her party sort of sucked uh, away uh, their their uh, electoral potential uh,
1: yeah. i mean it, it's interesting sorry just to jump in but that uh, you yeah, know obviously I mean, you started off by answering that the glue of anti-communism was gone um and the, the impact that's had on on christian democracy but uh, I think it was interesting that in this election, as far as I understand, that the uh, the the CDU did try some sort of red scare or red sock tactics um, yeah. uh, against Dilinka. But it, I don't. I assume it didn't really have any purchase, did it?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's like uh, it, it's it's always a mystery what what people know and what they think and and all of this. Uh, it is absolutely true that uh, um, in the last three weeks of this campaign. The Christian Democrats, being desperate as they were, uh, and I think trying in the last moment to lure away voters from the FDP, yeah, because this is their uh, their reservoir, ten percent, ten percent. They they left uh, the, the the Christian Democrats, so so then they then they uh, uh, painted uh, a scare uh, a picture of a Schultz uh, uh, green um uh, left left party government three uh, co- co- coalition partners and i think um the people not knowing much about all of these things but but when when you tell them there is <laughs> radicalism and they want to take away your whatever they want to take away mm-hmm. uh, they they don't think much they they, they don't want this you know, they, they don't want this and and it is true that it seems that uh, the Christian Democrats were able to project uh, to, let's say, 5% of the electorate, uh, that they would be uh, the uh, the uh, uh, final defense, firm defense, against uh, this sort of government.
1: Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, in light of, uh, of that and, and that sort of, I guess, symbolic politics completely disconnected yeah. from any material referent, I wanted to talk about culture wars, um, because it seems that over the past decade, uh, you know, political insurrections and populist upsurges ended up being channeled into, I guess, a more kind of culture war formation, effectively neutralizing their explosive potential. I mean, at least this is something that we've argued on this podcast and in our book, The End of the End of History. And it's, I think the example is pretty clear, for, at least in the US, where the Bernie and Trump moments devolved into fights over whatever Black Lives Matter or whatever, mm-hmm. or even in the UK, where Brexit became also a kind of culture war between self-identifying leavers and remainers, uh, maybe even evacuating the democratic content that was that was there. So I wonder whether something similar is happening in Germany, um, maybe skipping over that populist moment, but that there is nevertheless a... Uh, a, a turn towards sort of culture wars. I don't know on on climate or on refugees or or me, even maybe on COVID. Something that you already mentioned.
0: Yeah, G- Germans are boring people, you know. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> unlike the Brits who who, who have these wonderful uh, fights about uh, uh, eaten uh, people who are I don't know homosexuals or not homosexuals. <laughs> I, 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 I can't really follow the the details of these of these debates but in Germany this see Germany also you have to say that on the cultural level uh, they take their cues from the United States and they import everything mm. that happens mm. there and and sort of 10 years later uh, it's it's there the 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 the, the American culture wars and, and started not yet. It's not yet ten years, but but in the cultural sphere, it is sort of uh, uh, beginning. Didn't, however, have any impact uh, on the election campaign. Uh, partly because the Greens stayed away, uh, sort of very very carefully, uh, even from uh, the debate about. Uh, uh, gendering uh, the writing of the German language. If you know German, uh, German, you know that and there's lots of opportunities, like in the Latin uh, language also. There's lots of op- opportunities to insert sort of gender stars and 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 and, and all of these things. Like uh, uh, no, they they stayed away from it. It was not seen as uh, as as a good uh, way of of collecting votes, but it may be coming. Uh, no, it, it it may be coming, and it is coming in in certain circles at uh, at at universities. Universities, for example, uh, have uh, uh, now all of them have special offices in charge of yeah uh, ja, gleichstellung, equal opportunity, you could say, but it's not really equal opportunity. It, it's like uh, uh, increasing the 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 percentages of uh, now in Germany. Uh, first of all, you had women, but but now Germans mostly speaking English now, uh, speak about persons of color. So so th- then mm. you have to find voters so, so, for...
1: So, persons. I mean, I, just in terms of the understanding of this, and I might come off sounding a little, maybe perhaps at the risk of sounding a bit conspiratorial on the question, the way I under, would understand it is that Unlike in the '90s and 2000s, uh, politics was basically kept a lid on through various, I guess, post-political means, and that the strategy today from a lot of elites—not necessarily in Germany—I'm not saying that this is the case in Germany—but yeah. it definitely seems to be the case in the U.S. and in Britain to a certain extent—that the way of uh, of neutralizing discontent and populist upsurges is not through uh, deep, uh, through a direct depoliticization, but of channeling. These questions into culture wars, where they can't really have any material political effect, where it just becomes a shouting match. I, I mean, do you agree with that characterization
0: for for the United States and for Britain? Yes, um, but Alex, you you have to uh, what I said at the uh, earlier in this in this talk. Uh, Germany is the uh, sort of prosperity uh, center uh, of the European uh, Monetary Union, so the kind of uh, of economic uh, disparities that you have in the united states and and, and also Britain just don't exist mm. and, and they don't need to be fought uh, uh, by diverting the attention of people to uh, uh, the restrooms uh, for uh, the trans uh, uh, people yeah the, yeah, yeah. This, this is not a big thing uh, as yet the, the, in, during the election campaign at one point the social democratic um, uh, chairman, they have two of them, and Scholz is not the chairman. He was not uh, elected. Um, they sort of organized a meeting uh, with um, a, a group of very, very militant, uh, I, I think, trans uh, uh, people, but but I don't know what it was, or queer. <laughs> they, they 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 called this the, the, the queer such and such. And, and after the... Uh, after this meeting, uh, the two leaders of the party wrote an almost like um, um, a letter to, to them, ex, um, the apologizing for, at some point, having misnamed one of these people because they didn't know <laughs> that they were a man rather than a woman. And, and uh, this is sort of a servile prose Unbelievable, and it came out, was in the press. And then Scholz, I think, told them to shut up and never, ever do this again during the campaign. So you didn't hear about the queer social democrats anymore, not a single word. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
0: It will come back, I'm sure, especially if it turns out that under uh, Chancellor uh, uh, Olaf uh, Scholz, Uh, the basic parameters of German uh, policy will remain the way they were. And then, at that point, you have to process uh, uh, the uh, uh, disappointment uh, by channeling the critical energy uh, into other uh, subjects than uh, climate change, for example.
1: Hello, listener. You've reached the end of this free episode of our conversation with Wolfgang Streich. However, we did carry on the conversation, looking beyond the immediate politics as well as the culture war, to discuss some of the structural issues that question. Is neoliberalism ending, we asked Wolfgang, and went on to discuss capitalism's structural crisis. This conversation is available over at Patreon at patreon.com bungacast subscribers get two original episodes per month bonus content and we also have our monthly reading club also coming up from us the next parts of ok bunger the problem of generations our five-part series on generational conflict and generational consciousness to have access to all of that you'll also need to sign up at patreon.com slash we do hope to see you over there catch you later bye-bye